to prepare ourselves and to prepare our hearts for the coming of the Savior, we want to look at the Christmas story through their eyes, through some of the eyes of the individuals who lived it. You may or may not have heard or thought about the, um, the coming of Jesus through these individuals' eyes, but we're going to try to unpack that a little bit. And of course, this week, we're looking at the eyes, uh, looking at Christmas through the eyes of Joseph, Jesus' father. Now, he wasn't his biological father, right? We know that the Holy Spirit placed Jesus inside of Mary's womb. And so she got to carry the Messiah to term for nine months. She had the miracle of the son of God becoming a human being and and, um, developing in her womb, the God man. But Joseph didn't get that experience. And in fact, if we look at the story from his perspective, it required a lot of him to surrender to God's plan for his life. It was different than um, how it was for Mary. And so I have the question for you as we get started. Have you ever surrendered your will, your plans, or your life to God? Have you ever surrendered your will, your plans, your life to God? Joseph had the question posed to him had the opportunity, and he certainly didn't have to do it. But that's really what he was posed with. The changing and altering of his carefully planned life for something altogether different. Now, Joseph, to get to know him a little bit, we need to understand that he was a good Jewish man. Joseph was a good Jewish man. He grew up in Nazareth, had good family pedigree. Um, We're going to look at a little bit of Joseph's story, his perspective from the Gospel of Matthew, which is the first uh, book in the New Testament. If you want to turn there, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, kind of bouncing around to a couple different passages that look at Joseph's experience specifically. But Joseph was a good Jewish man. He was raised with good heritage, good family line. First thing we see in the gospel of Matthew is his uh, pedigree. It's his lineage. And this is Joseph's lineage. Now to a Jewish audience, which Matthew was written to, for Jesus to be the Messiah, the King of the Jews, he had to have the pedigree to warrant that, the legal lineage. And so Matthew, again, um, gives us this information. He shows it to us how Joseph had that lineage. Legally, he could be the father of the Messiah, the king of the Jews. And so we first see that. Now, what's really interesting about Joseph, a good Jewish man who had a good plan for his life. He was a good, he grew up in a good family. He had uh, been given a good trade from which he would utilize that to become a pillar in a community, a solid citizen. His plans were great. He was a good Jewish man and his lineage We see in Matthew chapter one in the first few verses. And it starts, of course, with Abraham, who was the father of the Hebrew nation, moves through Isaac to Jacob, to Judah, then through Perez to Hezron, the father of Ram. We jump down to to verses five and six of Matthew chapter one. I want to point something out. It's kind of miraculous in this pedigree. It says, uh, Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of King David. Um, And of course, King David is the lineage through which the Messiah would come. And so there's something kind of interesting here about Joseph and his pedigrees. Joseph was a good Jewish man, but in his family tree 
were some unsavory characters. In fact, there's four women listed in this pedigree, which was kind of unusual for the times. The men were listed and legally the men were responsible for carrying on the family. It was their name. It was their, their offspring. And so the women were there. Everybody knew the women played an important role, but they weren't highlighted. But Matthew points out four women, mothers. Now, two of them, interestingly enough, in the line of Joseph, who is legally has the right to be the father of the Messiah, are two Gentile women. And not only are they Gentile women, one of them was a prostitute when the nation of Israel ran into her, and that was Rahab. And Rahab, if you'll remember, as Joshua leads the nation across the Jordan River to take the land of Canaan, they run into walled, fortified cities in Jericho. Rahab was in there, and, and the spies went in. Israel sent some spies in to check it out, and they got kind of found out, and Rahab hid them, protected them. And then the spies, as they left, they told Rahab to leave a, a, a scarlet string out her window and they wouldn't kill her and her family. And, and Rahab becomes a part of the lineage of the Messiah. She's the mother of Boaz. And Boaz is a good Jewish man too. And if you remember in the, the book of Ruth, we have a character there who's a Gentile woman. Naomi takes her family, her and her husband, two boys, they go... Um, out of Israel because of a famine and they, uh, they build their home in a distant land and the, the two boys marry two girls and then Naomi's husband dies and her two sons die and she's left destitute. She says, I'm gonna go back home and she heads back home and these two daughters-in-law wanna go with her. She says, you girls don't come with me. I got nothing for you. I can't have more sons. And Ruth says, no, I'm gonna go with you. And because she does, Boaz redeems her marries her, and Boaz and Ruth become the, father, uh, the parents of Obed, who's the father of Jesse, right? Who's the father of King David. You know, the grace of God, the goodness of God can be found in the lineage of the Messiah. In Joseph's family tree are people that probably, according to their standing, wouldn't belong there. But you know how encouraging that is to me? <laughs> because I don't really have any right to be in the lineage in a family that is doing God's work and to be a part of what God's doing, to be a part of his story. But he wrote me in. And maybe you can relate to that too. And it's encouraging to see. And so as Matthew begins his gospel, giving us the origins of Jesus, the legal right that he has, that Joseph has really to be the father, we see the remarkable grace and love of God for you and I. Have you surrendered your will your plans, your life to God. Joseph had a good plan for his life. He had a good plan. He was a good Jewish man and his plans were set up. I don't know how early in your life you were asked, what are your plans? What are your plans? What are you gonna do when you grow up, right? Fireman, policeman, you know, I don't know. What were your first answers? A nurse, a doctor. But we all have this idea. We gotta start creating a plan for our lives, right? We're gonna be responsible people. We're gonna grow up and live in a responsible way and carry on our family tree. And Joseph had those plans. He had a good plan for his life. He was a carpenter. We see that in Matthew 13, verses 54 and 56 through 56. Jesus, back in Nazareth, which is his hometown where he grew up, and the people that are listening to him teach, and they're kind of skeptical about him, and they say, where does he get this wisdom and power to do miracles? Then they scoffed, he's just a carpenter's son. We know Mary, his mother, 
His brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, all his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? He's a carpenter's kid. We know him. Not some great teacher. Joseph was a carpenter, respectable man in the community. He had a respectable trade. He was a pillar of the community. And so he worked hard and his plan was to build a family, to build a life. You know, um, Matthew also tells us that, that Joseph was a righteous man. And of course, with that comes the idea that Joseph followed the law. He was, he was devout to the Jewish faith. He cared what he was supposed to do. He paid attention to it and he was trying to live it out. He not only followed the letter of the law, the rules, the specifics, but also the spirit of the law. He loved God. He cared what God wanted him to do. And so he was following devoutly with sincerity God's plan for his life. And he created a plan that would carry on the family line. That would make his ancient ancestor David proud. He would be a family man. He would find a good Jewish girl who also was a good girl, good Jewish girl. And he would marry her and she was doing all the right things and they would do it the right way. And so when Joseph finds out that in their engagement period, his betrothed, which their engagement was really just an extension of marriage. It was a legal, legally binding time. The marriage was going to happen. They already belonged to each other. They just weren't sleeping and living together yet. There was a lot of details to work out for the family to bring the two together. So when Joseph finds out that this good Jewish girl is pregnant, you can imagine how that might have devastated him and caused him to consider his future. In Matthew chapter 1, 18 and 19, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, is engaged, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. There it is. And did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Maybe you can imagine that conversation if you're Joseph and your bride-to-be who's committed to you. She said, I'm going to marry you. You're mine. I've saved myself for you. And she comes to him and says, Joseph, I got a tough, tough conversation here. Something tough to tell you. Um, I want you to know that I haven't broken my commitment to you. But something miraculous has happened to me. And that involves me being pregnant. And no matter how good of a man Joseph was, he might be challenged to believe her story, right? That God placed his son within her. Mm. Oh, Mary, what's going on here? I picked a good girl. We had good plans. Now you're thinking you're hearing from God. Really? I mean, look, no matter how good he was, his plans were thrown out of whack. Even if Joseph believed her, which again, I think it's likely he did not. Um, what do you do? He was a good Jewish man. He had good Jewish plans. And so he thought, well, I'll disconnect myself from this marriage so that I can live out my plan. Because if I marry a girl who got pregnant before we got married and we tell everybody God got her pregnant, sure, that's going to go over. And then, um, you know, my future is tarnished. My name is tarnished. The plans I had for my life are not going to happen. And so even though 
Joseph was a good Jewish man and he had good Jewish plans. He's going to be asked to do something profound by God himself. I wonder if you've ever surrendered your will, your plans, your life to God. Joseph would be asked to surrender his plan for God's. First, God has to assure Joseph that Mary's story is accurate, right? And so in verse 20, if we continue in Matthew chapter one, in verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what does he do? When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. He did not have sexual relations with her until, she, until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. You've probably heard that a million times. What would you do if you're Joseph? No, it's easy to say the Sunday school answer. Oh yeah, I'd say yes, yes, yeah. What would you do really? You have plans for your life. You probably still have plans for your life. Most people do. Maybe you're on track to see those plans accomplished. I don't know. I don't know how you're doing. Joseph had good plans, a God-honored plan. He had considered God in his plans. They were good plans. I got to marry this woman who's already pregnant. God, do you realize what that's going to do? Joseph had to surrender his plans to God's. He had to become the caretaker, right, of Jesus. Create an environment where Jesus could thrive, where he could grow and learn. See, a Jewish man in a home was going to be responsible to teach the boys especially, teach all of his children, the boys, how to work, how to have a job, how to have a career, right, that they could provide for a family. Going to be responsible to teach them how to follow God, follow the law. Joseph had a great responsibility. Interesting how he took it on. He took it on, not knowing what it would mean right? In the end. Did a pretty good job. Jesus, when his family went to Jerusalem for the Passover to celebrate when he was 12, Jesus ends up in the temple and he so uh, amazes the, 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 the religious leaders. He has such amazing, profound answers that he's just wowing them, right? Have to give a little bit of credit to Joseph. He took the responsibility seriously that God entrusted him with. But before all of that, Joseph is gonna have to be a protector of Jesus and Mary. And things are not gonna go great in the beginning. Life is gonna be disrupted. He had carefully planned life, okay? Good plans, God-honoring plans. And they're gonna be thrown out of whack. Um, First, he has to travel to Bethlehem with Mary, go back because of a census that the king, or the the Roman um, Roman emperor puts on, right? So he has to go, travel there and then they, they have the baby while they're there, they have Jesus and they got to set up home there for a little bit. And 
something's going on that he doesn't know about, probably because of Daniel and some of those that were um, taken into Babylon into captivity because of the captivity. Daniel, who's a prophet, who heard from God, taught others about what was coming and about a coming Messiah, passed that down. And so there were some kings from the east, we call them wise men, magi, right? They are looking for a star, a sign in the heavens, indicating that the Messiah, the king has come and they see it up here. And so they, they travel to Israel and they make their way to Herod who's the king of the Jews. But Herod isn't the real king of the Jews. He's been put in place by Rome. Herod's ancestry ties back to Esau, who was the twin brother of Jacob who denied his birthright, right? He doesn't have a right to the throne. And so Herod is threatened by their curiosity about where's this king. Now God leads them to Bethlehem, but after they were gone, Matthew chapter 2 Starting verse 13, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Four times Joseph has an angel appear to him in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel says. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. There's a vulnerability that God took on when he became flesh. The devil had never before seen God in a vulnerable position where he could take his life. Got to believe that Satan is behind this threat on Jesus, even as a child. So that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, pulls up everything and flees to the south. His mother and they stay there until Herod's death, which was in 4 BC, probably two years or roughly they spent down there. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. So he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted for they are dead. Just think about Joseph's responsibility in this. He's got to take the family down to Egypt. He didn't know anybody in Egypt. He's got to find a way to survive, to provide, to continue to protect them. This was a diversion from his carefully planned life, his career path. Things were going to go different for him. But God interjected and asked him an important question. Joseph, will you Surrender your plans for mine. Then after Herod dies in verse 19 of chapter 2 of Matthew, when Herod died, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up, returned to the land of Israel with Jesus, his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler in Judea, which is where Bethlehem was, where they had, Jesus had been born and they had a bit of a life there, probably for a couple of years. When they knew, the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, still a threat, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, again a dream, he left for the region of Galilee to the north where he actually grew up. And so the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. 
And this fulfilled what the prophets had said, that he will be called a Nazarene. Nazarene means a branch of David. It was prophesied before Nazareth existed that Jesus would grow up in Nazareth. Do you see that surrendering your plans requires following God's? You got to be flexible. You got to be listening. Sure, Joseph got angels in dreams. You might say to yourself, well, yeah, if I got an angel in a dream, sure, I would do that. Would you? Really? God speaks to you, gives you direction. There's things he asks you and I to do that alter the course of our life. I just wonder, Joseph was a good Jewish man with good Jewish plans. He had good plans for his life. They were godly plans. And God came in and said, Joseph, I need you to do something different. And it cost him. It cost him. He had to be flexible. He had to listen. And I got to believe that's part of the reason that God chose Joseph. Because he would listen. He would obey. He wouldn't debate God like we sometimes do. Like I sometimes do. I know know you don't, but I do sometimes. Debate God. Are you sure God? Wait a minute, God. I had plans and we had those worked out. What what are you talking about? What do you mean you want me to go over here? What do you mean you want me to do that? Talk to this person. What do you mean? Yeah. Surrender comes in steps. It's the good news. The first step is to surrender your life to God, to realize that you need him for saving, that you have sin in your life and you need forgiveness. And so the first step of surrender is to surrender to Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and say, God, I need you in my life. I need your forgiveness. Would you come in and forgive me and walk with me? And then the next step of surrender is to begin to surrender to his plans, his way of life for you. Repent of your sins and begin to follow him. Live obediently to what Jesus commanded That's a change. That's an alteration from our plans. And then eventually God says to us, hey, I've got some work for you to do. I've got a person for you to invest in. There's somebody I want you to help. I want you to reach out to them and help them become a follower of mine. Would you get involved in my work? Would you surrender your plans to be a part of my work? Where are you at? It's surrender. I know surrender is not a popular idea. We like to think of winning, advancement. We're not supposed to give up. Surrender is giving up. Joseph was willing to surrender his carefully planned life to God's plan for him. And he gave up some things. Still had a family, still had a career, still raised them, right? Still had a place in the community. Probably not quite the same as it could have been. But Joseph got written into God's story. His story of redemption and salvation for the world. God's story isn't done yet. He's still writing it. And he's inviting you into it. But to be a part of God's story, you're going to have to surrender your plans, your will, your life. You're going to have to be willing to say, okay, God, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do it. Might make me look bad might change my status. It might change my, uh, the way people view me or what they think of me. It might, it's going to change some things. It might cost some time and some effort, some focus, but I'll say yes. This Christmas, I just invite you once again to surrender. Look at the life of Joseph, the son or the father of Jesus, and see a man who was willing to give up his plans for God's And in doing so, he got to be a part of the saving of the world. God, thanks for loving us and calling us 
inviting us, if you will, into your story. You don't force it on us, but you invite us in and it's difficult. We have good plans and sometimes we think we've considered you in them and yet you've got something different for us to do. And I just pray you'd help us to be available, to be willing, to be interested, to consider what it is that you want for us as we live out our lives, our good lives. Father, would you help us to say yes to you? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.